Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to another episode of Colton Classic Podcast. I'm your host, comedian and film critic Nate Wyckoff. And we have an awesome show. This is the second part of Dawn of the Fun Dead, horror undead comedy films. Uh, with me again, I have a longtime member of the pod, Jeff Tucker. How are you doing, Jeff? Great. Still. Still great? Well, that's good. That's been a whole week for our listeners where you've still been mm. good. And it sounds very similar to when uh, you said it on our last episode. So it's almost like we record these at the same time, but that can't be the case. Uh, with us as well, we also, again, have special guest star, comedian and actress, Jacqueline Pissarro. How are you doing, Jacqueline? Good. Awesome. Well, so super interesting story about this film, 2016's Ibiza Undead. This is what we've paired with uh, last episode when we talked about 1999's uh, stoner cult horror film classic, Idle Hands with Seth Green. Uh, this film uh, has an actress in it who actually was in a film that you yourself, Jacqueline, were also in, uh, Marcia Davales. <laughs> And I don't know, did you actually have any scenes? I haven't seen, the film is Amityville Hex, which I think actually came out this year. Uh, so I was just in a cameo, I just did a cameo and they just had, so I didn't work with anyone. I filmed it myself. I had to take, I had to fake, do a suicide. So I decided that I was going to kill myself by with pills. So that was my scene. <laughs> so it's a life. laugh riot. It's a laugh yeah. riot. It's going on your real it's going, it's going to be great. Now, Amityville Hex, super, uh, let's just say it comes from a long pedigree of fun, ultra low budget, slightly above no budget films. Um, and I think this one had, if it's, which is probably why you did your scene this way. I think a lot of this one was actually filmed during quarantine uh, or lockdown. So I'm not sure if that's the case, but. I think so. Yeah, I, I, I feel like is. I filmed, yeah, it absolutely was. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so, so check that out. But yeah, but uh, Marcia Davales uh, is in this movie, Ibiza Undead. Uh, and she also is in that. So that's a fun little thing. Didn't know that when I picked this film, but it's a happy coincidence. So Ibiza Undead is from writer-director Andy Edwards. It is uh, a, a, an English film, British film, and it takes place in Ibiza, which is a vacation destination. Uh, this film is actually also known as Zombie Spring Breakers, which I assume was a production choice later on to try and get it more play. Uh, I actually think Ibiza Undead is a better choice because one, it describes the movie. And is, that, two, is that like the US title? maybe uh well it's 
so weirdly enough, it was released to me as I actually reviewed this movie on release for Horror News Network. And uh, it was released under the original title, Ibiza Undead. But I don't know if perhaps for streaming or physical release, uh, it's been released under Zombie Spring Breakers. But in either case, uh, it's relatively accurate. I mean, I'm not sure that any zombies are spring breaking in this movie. Uh, so I think Ibiza Undead is probably more accurate. But it's uh, a very English take on the low budget zombie comedy film. But I feel like the plot is more derived from American uh, zombie comedy films than say Shaun of the Dead. Uh, Andy has done, I, again, I did an interview with him for Horror News Network as well. Very interesting guy. He's got a movie called Vampires of Soho, which is in production now. And there was a short film that's a prequel to it that was released, I think, 2018. So you can check that out. Uh, but it's got a pretty good cast in this movie. And it takes place, of course, in Ibiza, where a group of young kids are trying to party and have fun. But uh, things go crazy when a human trafficking nightclub owner uh, accidentally unleashes the zombie plague on the little island. So everyone is doomed to a zombie apocalypse unless they can escape this island. I'm going to just say that in a sea of zombie films uh, over the past decade and more, uh, this one actually kind of appealed to me because in a weird way, even though it's full of death and accidental murder and, and goofy things like that, it's kind of wholesome feeling. Like at its heart, it's about a group of friends doing that thing which every teen movie has, essentially trying to get laid or make up with their ex. That's kind of like where this movie lands. Um, and the zombies are just the catalyst to get the plot moving. Um, so let's start here, Jeff. Uh, have you seen this movie before? And now that you've seen it, yeah, I didn't figure you had. Uh, now that you've seen this movie, what was your take on it? What were you expecting versus what you actually came away with? Uh, I brought as much apathy as Seth Green's character from Idle Hands. Um, I don't know. It just, it wasn't like funny enough and it wasn't horrible enough for me to even care. <laughs> um, we, we've definitely watched some much worse films. So my, uh, like my <laughs> anger towards the film is is uh, much harder to trigger um so i either have to torment you or mm -hmm. like amaze you like a, a, a an appearance of the virgin mary in your bathwater, like that sort of thing. yeah yeah so okay. I've, yeah so i've you know I've, I've grown a tolerance for for this nonsense that you put put us through <laughs> um i don't know there you know some of the characters were somewhat interesting um i like the you know the the fat dude um who was definitely not the funny dude um the, the you mean so ed keir is who you're talking about and he is sort of the yes. talks all the time comedic relief friend um he's very uh he he works the scene like crazy he gets in a ton of movies he has a lot of really small parts in really big movies for example he plays an interviewer in disney's upcoming live action cruella film he's uh, a reveler at a party in venom's let there be carnage the sequel of uh, the andy circus led sequel to venom which is coming out later this year and he's also plays a cop in uh, matt reeves and robert pattinson's the batman in 2022 so you'll see his face 
all over in characters that don't have names. And that's always the sign that you will start seeing him as named characters in bigger films. So keep an eye out for Ed. Um, and he gets a lot of screen time in this. I mean, he, you know, this filled up his reel because he's got line after line after line. Uh, it almost and, like unintentionally felt like his film. Right. Like, it, it felt like the script writer had, you know, he was like a side character, but then maybe when they got to filming, like he was the most interesting thing that that was uh, in front of the camera. So I don't know, maybe they expanded it or. He, he definitely he definitely can can hold a scene on his own. I think he has a presence yeah. for it. So that's that's very possibly the case. Uh, Jacqueline, what was your take on Ibiza Undead? What were you expecting versus what did you get? Um, I'm gonna be honest. I thought it was funny because of the accent. <laughs> like, <laughs> even if it was so scary, you know, if like picture Michael Myers with the British accent, right? Like, actually talking, or the screen character with an accent. Hello, or, I'm going to be killing you tonight. Or Freddy Krueger, like, yeah. It. it... <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if uh, I'm assuming that an English or British uh, audience would see that differently, but it does have. I feel like it's not just the accent in this movie. I feel like the characters actually also have very. Um, I'm using air quotations here, high class British accents. There's no Cockney here that I hear, so it actually sounds like you've pulled the cast of Downton Abbey, um, and and put them in a zombie film, which. I do mention that, of course, because we do have Kara Theobald playing Ellie, the ex-girlfriend in this um, in this film, who's one of the main characters, who, of course, is well known as Ivy in Downton Abbey. So you actually have her, you know, who's we've seen her as this like straight lace button up prim proper uh, British character. And then she's put in this movie where essentially she plays the sort of uptight, you know, prim and proper British lady uh in a in a situation where everyone else is trying to have a good time and, and have sex or become a zombie um i also there were only a couple of instances in the beginning of this film where uh the characters are all meeting at the airport before they go to ibiza to have fun uh where actually i didn't know what they were saying a couple of times um the the accent I'm just not accustomed enough as a viewer to the English accent to catch everything. So a couple of times jokes would go and I'm like, I don't know what that was, but I know it was a joke because of the way the pacing was after it. Um, this movie definitely feels a bit like uh, Zombieland or um, A Scout's Guide to the Undead in that the the humor with the comedy is meant to be very dark like for example our our two lead friends uh accidentally beat someone to death because they think he's a zombie um we don't really care because who, who cares about that no-name character uh and i found it mildly funny but there's always something when you go from like just trying to be funny indoors without violence to jumping to like a very violent uh joke that I feel like every once in a while there's a disconnect. And I don't know if anyone else felt that where sometimes the jokes were like, you could actually see this on like, uh, you know, Drake and Josh on Nickelodeon joke. And then you go to a joke where I'm like, oh, it's about, you know, bikinis and, and dead people. I don't know. It was an interesting moment. I did think that there were a fair amount of funny situations in this movie. Um, I did enjoy this movie when I reviewed it originally. Uh, and I still do. 
a big part of it for me was the cast. I really think that this is an excellent cast and they kind of elevate a lot of the material. Like, uh, of course, Jeff, you mentioned Ed Keir um, and we mentioned Kara Theobald. We also have Emily Attack, uh, who plays um, the, the lead boy's brother. Uh, excuse me, the lead boy's sister. He's the brother, she's the sister. That's how it usually works. And uh, she sort of plays the... I'm not going to say ditzy, but the one that Ed's character always had a crush on. Um, and she was always out of his league. She does a good job. She was on the British show, The Inbetweeners, which is a very successful show, very funny show. Uh, and then we also, my favorite person in this movie is, uh, is uh, Matt King. Uh, and Matt King has been in uh, a lot of really funny English uh, work. He's also, he played Cookie in Rock and Rolla. Um, he was in uh, Malice in Wonderland, which is an interesting film from 2009. And he did Peep Show. Uh, Peep Show was a, a British show that ran for quite a while. I think it ended in like 2015. Check it out. It, it, for some reason, it didn't really hit the US very well, but it's a funny show. And Matt gets to be sort of a serious character here. He plays um, the the gay kingpin of the cruise liner uh, that has zombies as go-go dancers. Like I liked that touch that everyone knows they're zombies. It's treated a lot like COVID, which is crazy because this is several years before COVID, but they have pamphlets about it. They do checks when you're traveling to make sure you're not a zombie. Uh, and what it comes down to in the end is that people weren't careful uh, i.e. this guy trafficking people kept turning his ex-boyfriends into zombies. Uh, and that's what caused an outbreak. And I thought that that was an interesting parallel now because when I first watched this, COVID-19 was not even a thing. It was in the future. And now that I watched it again, I'm like, oh shit, that's actually kind of kind of interesting. I mean, I think we're all saying that anytime there's a virus or infection in a movie or TV show, it's like, oh, it's like COVID-19. I'm like, okay, not really. But in this case, the travel restrictions definitely uh, definitely gave me pause. What about the ending of this film? And again, we do a spoiler issue, guys. I don't think any spoiler really ruins the movie experience. So if a movie sounds like it's up your alley, go watch it, uh, regardless of whether or not we quote unquote spoil the plot point. But the ending, we have Ed, who's been kind of a douchebag the whole time, although sometimes lovable, the big comedic character. He finally, as far as we think, has um, actually had sex with Emily Attack's character, uh, his dream girl. And because of that, he thinks he's been infected as a zombie because she ended up turning into a zombie. So everyone else, all of his friends escape on a boat and he's like, I'm going to stay. I'm going to change. And then he meets a bartender who's been bitten and he's going to change. Uh, and he learns from the bartender that he didn't actually have sex with him and making out with a zombie does not be make you become a zombie because it can't be transferred effectively through saliva, which is uh, guys, how AIDS works too, FYI. Uh, not how COVID, not how COVID. COVID does spread through saliva. But that was an interesting moment because it's kind of a big joke that is actually really tragic because we just get a shot of him chasing after his friend's boat and then just standing on the shore as zombies surround him. But I found it kind of nice because so often the big, noisy, obnoxious character, although they're entertaining occasionally for the comedy relief, they get away and you're like, that guy is such a dick. And in this one, that friend that we all have who's around because he's always there, but he's kind of a dick, gets eaten by zombies. 
I found that cathartic. What did you guys think? I don't know. I disagree. I, I think that, that uh, yes, he was a dick for sure. But he also was the only character that had like a real like kind of emotional moment, like a real like, uh, you know, kind of actually looking inward and saying, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not, uh, I'm not doing things right. He all like, he was almost like a real character. And then, you know, then he was just gone, I guess. Um, I feel like he should have been the protagonist of this film, honestly. Like, I think that they just made a mistake. Um, it would have been more interesting, I think, that if he had like really a full arc instead of kind of getting halfway there um, and like, you know, becoming the nice guy that he could have, you know, could have been. I think that's a big, I think that's a big arc for him to take. I don't think a zombie apocalypse is going to make all the dicks in the world nice. I think, but to me, the actual savior of the film who, who would have been a really great lead character is Algina Lipsky's character, the, um, uh, the the si uh, sister's friend, you know, the the hot one, the one who's topless sunbathing in the opening scene on Ibiza, um, because I loved her character for a couple of reasons. One, she's the party girl. She's supposed to be the wild one. She's the one that is the only character that's actually at all nude in the film. And yet not only does she live, but she's the one that saves them several times and does most of the fighting. And I thought that was great because it really bucked. And I talked to... And Andy about this when I interviewed him for the film because it really bucked the trend where, uh, for example, we saw it in Idle Hands. Um, the ditzy friend is always going to get killed. Yes. Um, and in this one, we actually get a party girl who's both wild, uh, as as Emily Tax character said. I think at one point she said, "If her pussy had a password, it would be password." That was one. <laughs> that was one of the lines, and like. And that character is actually the one that knows what she's doing and has the impetus to rescue everyone. And I totally love that. It, Jacqueline, I saw you nodding along with that. Yeah, because I mean, the, like they made fun, they make fun of it and scream the token horror movie like rules mm -hmm. is always if she's seen naked or she's the quote unquote slutty one, she yep. gets killed. And usually in the beginning too. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, I think that and I, that's also one of the reasons why, like, even though it's not really a plot point, I like that we find out that Ed's, char Ed's character didn't actually have sex with uh, Emily Tack's character because I, I don't want him to get that moment. I don't want that. Uh, I didn't want him to have that sort of unearned John Hughes um, 16 candles, like, I got the hot chick moment. Because honestly... It takes more than being a nice guy. You have to have something to offer. And I don't know that he has anything to offer in his life path. I understand, Jeff, he certainly has potential. Everyone does indeed have potential. And it is true that we do get emotion from him by the end. He certainly does not want to die at the end. And he kind of is trying to come to terms with his sort of martyrdomness uh, before he realizes that he'll actually survive. But I just love that the character, as, as Jacqueline, as you said, the quote unquote slutty character were given the stereotype. And then the movie says, uh, just kidding. It's not the stereotype you're used to. We just use that as a placeholder to get you invested. Um, yes. Yeah. And that was something Andy said when he made the movie is he's like, uh, stereotypes are really important in horror movies because they tell their shorthand for what all the stuff to know about this character. 
He's like, but then you have to develop them as characters more than that in order to engage the audience. And that's totally true. Um, I think one thing that Jeff, I'll agree with you on is I think that the, the, the sort of lead boyfriend and ex-girlfriend um, is not really. It's a nothing. It's yeah. It's not, um, it's not my favorite thing because they're sort of, they stay together and I'm like, cool, I guess. I don't care. Um, I don't really care about them that much. Uh, I, I did like that Kara's character has like, um, she's really like grateful to the other older girls. Like, thanks for letting me hang out. And these two party girls that were assumed would be the mean girls in school are really nice to her. And they're like, yeah, we just want to have fun. And not only number, number one, I think it's more realistic. Uh, <laughs> anyone who's been around people who like to have fun and are kind of like, you know, cares to the wind, they, they're not always terrible people. And they probably shouldn't just be these flat characters we see over and over and over again in, in movies. That said, um, like Shaun of the Dead, tons of people die in this movie. Um, we get lots of uh, zombies eating people. We get um, we get the hunk character that almost sleeps with Kara's character, uh, bitten by a zombie. And then we have the scene where his limb is cut off very ineffectively uh, with with a is it a kitchen knife, I think, um, when he's all doped up. It reminded me of the opening, like a, a comedy version of the opening scene from um, 28 Days Later when uh, there's a character who gets bit and instantly they cut his arm off like right away. There's no hesitation. Except in this one, they're like, what if there was a lot of hesitation? And also, what if no one knew how to cut off a limb so it's really, really slow? Uh, and then we get that gross scene with the, the fake, um, you know, latexy flesh being hacked up. I don't know. That's the one point in the movie where I think maybe it drags for me a little bit is when they're stuck in the room during that bit. Did anybody else feel that? Because like, I think every time they're on the ship and there's a party, I was with it. And then every time there's a zombie attack, I'm with it. But then when they actually got everybody together in a room and gave a moment to breathe, I was sort of like, I wish we didn't have a moment to breathe. Um, I don't have enough content to sit with in this room. I need, I need somebody to die or I need somebody to scream or I need somebody to make a dick joke really soon. Keep um, it moving. Yeah. But again, this movie's like an hour and 34 minutes. So it's, it's also not heavily uh you know overstaying it's it's welcome now they did a good job of filling it with with material it kept moving i'd say like pacing wise this movie did a very good job well i think too this this is one of those few cases when if you do want to watch this movie guys and i encourage you to do it i'll give you my recommendation later but um this moment did make me super happy and it's kind of a spoiler we have this opening scene where Matt King's character, the bad guy, is tormenting his ex-boyfriend before letting a zombie bite him. And his ex-boyfriend thinks he's going to sh sh get shot. And it turns out that he's holding one of those guns that's a cigarette lighter. And then we get the end scene when the bad guy has actually survived. Uh, he's got all of the surviving heroes on the boat, held at gunpoint. And before he shoots them, he goes to light his cigarette and he's got the wrong gun and he blows his own brains out. And that's the end of him. I loved that moment. Um, I'm not saying I didn't see it coming potentially, but 
it's one of those cases where it was as long as possible ago that we saw that gun. That's literally the opening scene of the movie is when we see that there's a cigarette lighter gun. And so to have that be the end cap on the movie was really wasn't excellent. There a, wasn't there a middle scene where uh, one like his like one of his flunkies or whatever had the uh, the lighter gun? Was is it uh, is it Marcia Devale when she's trying to shoot him? Yeah. She yeah. That's yeah, yeah, true. Um, and, and so what's great about that too, is, you know, the Chekhov's gun thing, right? If you show a gun at the beginning scene, they are in the first act, they better use it by the third act or whatever it is. Um, that's this scenario, right? You see the gun, so they better use it. Well, they do use it in the middle. And I think a lot of us who watch a ton of film and theater or whatever, uh, know that, oh, well, that was the payoff for seeing it in the beginning. And then there's a second payoff. And so it's sort of like a double fake out. I think that was really good script wise. I thought it was a really great scene. And Matt King plays the role, as I said, so well. Go watch Peeps. Uh, good stuff. So uh, let's move on to recommendations. I'll start this one because I've kind of already given mine. I like this movie. If you like zombie comedies, uh, check out Ibiza Undead, also known as Spring Breaker Zombies. Um, I think it's a good low budget sort of, I guess the term is low energy in that I, I'm not tense at all watching this movie. There's no real, um, you know, if you think of the ending of Shaun of the Dead, it turns into a straight up horror film and it's tense and stressful. Uh, whereas Ibiza Undead, it never, it never reaches that point And I don't think it aims for that point. It aims to be a steady entertainment throughout. Yeah, you um, can fall asleep during this horror film. Uh, fair. It's not really, it's, it's, it's more of a comedy with a horror setting. Um, and I, I think that's a, a, a way to put it the violence and gore is effective not over the top not high budget but neither is it ultra low budget um you know there's no uh there's no boiled ramen noodles and ketchup here uh for for blood and guts um Jacqueline would you recommend Ibiza Undead 2016 to listeners why or why not okay so I'm gonna have a pat I'm gonna pass on this one <laughs> and the reason why I'm gonna pass is personally I'm not really a big fan of zombies so um, you prefer the vampire i i prefer <laughs> sorry it's a joke from the film <laughs> for the listeners I, that's sad because I, I don't even remember that joke from the film jeff and i just watched it today again um so maybe it was one of the ones that i couldn't understand accent wise but yeah I, it's it's one of those things where and i, I guess because i love zombies but unless you're watching a Romero film or a son of Romero film, the content has been done so many times that it is exhausted, right? Like you're very, even, I mean, we, we've seen even comedic zombies done since 1999. We just watched Idle Hands, right? Like we've seen it done so many times in so many iterations um, that there are kids shows about zombies. There are literally children's shows where characters are zombies, right? It's, it's been saturated in the mainstream. That said, I kind of feel like that's probably why this is really more of a comedy that has zombies as a as a, a framing device element. Um, but other than that, I, I agree. It's played out. I don't think this is breaks any boundaries, but I do think that the acting was a lot of fun and they elevated what could be elevated and sort of moved quickly past anything that didn't work extremely well. That said, Jeff. Would you recommend Abyss Undead? And if so, why? Um, I did not like this film. Um, it's hard for me to say to not recommend it because probably the reason I don't like it, most people won't, but whatever, that's I'm going to stick with that. 
I, I really didn't like uh, the fact. So I'm going to go back to this thing. So everybody, every person alive starts out as a toddler. Every toddler is an asshole, period. You're selfish. You are rude. That's just the way you are. And it's, you, you kind of, you grow up eventually, hopefully. Um, you know, these films like that, that idea of like, oh, I got to have sex before, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's very juvenile. It's sure. childish. Sure. And this, this character who's like the most juvenile and childish in the face of, you know, uh, the zombie apocalypse is like, gets like halfway to growing up and then they just end it. And that's the part that is just, it kind of was like, they almost had me. The one thing that I found interesting was this character and he had like kind of like a emotional breakdown where he was crying and looking at his life. He's like, I got nothing. I've just been a dick. You know, I've kind of like leaned into being this juvenile character because I got nothing else other than being a fat guy. Um, but then, you know, you come to the realization, oh, okay, I have other things to offer. I could be like, uh, you know, a human being. Uh, that has grown up and you know joined society in some sort of way and they i don't know it just it felt like they got halfway there on like the one interesting line and then they just let's you you break you reminded me that there is a third friend to this this guy group uh as played by homer tudiwala and he's 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 like their he's their nerdy friend uh, and he essentially is in a totally different place for most of the movie. He's on the ship um, as as uh, Matt King's villain character is trying to uh, make him his boyfriend. And it's not quite as um, rude to the LGBTQIA plus community as it sounds. Actually, the character dynamic is pretty good, I think. Um, but it's interesting that none of us brought him up. And I think part of it is, is that that whole side of the film is really not Im- that important to the plot. Um, there are like two parallel movies in a way for a chunk of this and neither of them are slow. Neither of them are, you know, as, as Jeff said, it's not that they're, they are bad and that they make you angry that you're watching it, but they just come together at the end. And I don't think that there was a, a climactic payoff for that necessarily. Yeah. The movie just kind of meanders and then eventually just ends. Sure. Um, and so I, I suppose it's... like I wouldn't have been that mad about the one thread that they were going for if they ended it with some other climax. Um, but I, it felt like that's where they were going, but then they just never, sure. they never concluded I'm, it. I'm going to stand by my idea that I'm glad Ed's character gets killed and I'm glad it's his fault because he didn't <laughs> read the pamphlets because I'm tired of characters learning their lesson and then being given a pass for being dicks. Um, I'm glad that he's a dick and then he gets eaten. I really am okay with that. I'm okay with it when they're like young, like, cause he's obviously a young person. Dude, we all are dicks. Everyone's a dick at some point. <laughs> you eventually learn to maybe be less of a dick as well, you move on through life. I'm still a dick. So I don't think that uh, I've oh, moved I've, past that stage. So yeah, for those I mean, of us who are still, bit, so those, <laughs> I, I'm married. I mean, time has passed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so that's, I think that's it. I think it sounds like this is one of those middle ground movies. If you, if you like what I had to say, um, then, uh, then you're probably my friend. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I recommend it. Jacqueline gives a pass. I'm never no coming more, back. No more zombies. <laughs> and Jeff, and Jeff gives a, a no-go. That's it for this episode of Colton Classic Podcast. This wraps up our Dawn of the Fun Dead, uh, which started with Idle Hands 1999 and ended with 2016's Ibiza Undead.
I want to thank you guys for listening. Please remember to subscribe and follow us and write reviews wherever you find your podcast. We're also on YouTube at Colton Classic Podcast. Uh, you can visit our website, coltonclassicpodcast.com, and on Instagram, Colton Classic Podcast. We do a lot of things like giveaways. We just finished our first giveaway, all that sort of jazz. And I want to give a special thank you to special guest Jacqueline Pissarro. Thank you so much for coming, Jacqueline. Oh, thank you. And uh, once again, uh, what can people look for for you and where can they find you? Um, so my all my social media is exactly the same. It's just my name, Jacqueline without a K, Pissarro. And um, if you have the app stereo, come join me at 2 p.m. for Throwback Comedy. Yeah, it's an awesome show. I am super excited to know about it. And uh, don't worry, I will not spell out her name on the air. I have a tendency to spell <laughs> out things, but I will just put the information in the notes for this episode so you can follow her that way. Thanks so much. And listen next week for a new double shot on Colton Classic Podcast. Playing us out as always is The Chud with All About Evil. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.